0: Red Cloaks Radio is a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio. Really excited to be joined today by my co-host. Hi, I'm
1: Laura Venesey. and I'm also a Red Cloak. Today we have two wonderful guests. We have Vilma Martinez-Dominguez, who is running for mayor in the city of Lawrence and her campaign manager, Ryan Schaefer. Thanks for coming.
2: Thank you so very much for giving us the opportunity to be part of your radio. I think that any opportunity that we have uh, to showcase the amazing work that's happening in Lawrence, number one and number two, the importance of this race uh, for our city and for women across you know, the nation, I think that we welcome it. So thank you for the invitation.
0: Fantastic.
3: I'm happy to be here as well. Thank
0: you. It's so great to meet you both. It's true, across the country, we're seeing more women stepping up to run for office and across the Commonwealth, we really see the need. The State House is still quite male and it's quite white. So we're not, we're not really well represented, it feels like. Really interested um, in Lawrence, how you have decided to step up and what the race is looking like at this point. So um, just so you know, I am the only female in this race, <laughs> which is exciting to me.
2: Uh, and it's a historic race by nature, because uh, besides the fact that there has never been a Latina mayor in the city of Lawrence, there has never been a Latina mayor in the Commonwealth. Uh, so that really uh, makes me extremely happy. Yes. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, we, we need this opportunity. I think that we look at look at the representation, right? 51 percent makeup is the demographics for Lawrence. 51 uh, percent. It's, it's women who live here. But yet, I don't think we're well represented across the board, even though as a a government, we're doing a better job at at making sure that we do that more intentionally. I think it's important that we continue to support women like me across the state and across the nation so that we have people at the table. I heard a thing, uh, a saying that says, if you're not at the table, you're part of the menu. And I think that by having us, yes, at the table, having those conversations uh, and also uh, bringing
0: our perspectives that we're going to be able to to move the needle in any direction. So I'm excited. It's, It's totally cool. And when you think about the composition of any community, it's really nice for residents to get to see someone who's running the city, who they feel like is going to listen to them and understand. And you've had a wealth of experience actually helping people forming partnerships and coalitions in the city. So maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, what does leadership look like for you? Because you've actually executed a bunch of really important projects. I
2: think that leadership starts from a young age. For me, I'm the oldest of six siblings. So I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of expectations set forth for me. And I think that that has transpired, has moved on with me in my life. And, me, and for me, a leader has so many great qualities, right? Number one, it has to inspire. You gotta motivate people to move. You have to mobilize. In order to mobilize, you need to inspire. You need to live by example. Uh, you need to have courage because there are gonna be times where you're gonna make very difficult decisions for a lot of people or on behalf of people. You need to have clarity and vision. Uh, you need to be really consistent, have commitment and passion. Um, and have a lot of integrity. Uh, It doesn't matter where you're at. You have to really follow your values and your morals. But the most important thing for me, I think it's humility. You need to be humble because and compassionate. So those are some of the things that I see um, as a leader for me, and you gotta love what you're fighting for and be committed for the long run, right? Because otherwise, if you give up too easily, especially, you know, when it's been so difficult for us women to get to the point where we're at today, all of our gains, I think that is important that we continue to elicit those those, um, those characteristics, so. And I wanna say for me, I've had a lot of, I mean, I've, had, I've, asked, I've been asked the question a couple of times, you know, who are your leaders? Who are your local leaders? Who are, to me, my leader, it's my grandmother. She is 94 years old. She is the strongest woman I know. She has the greatest result. She has sacrificed so much for us. She took a leap of faith, traveling from Dominican Republic to the United States on her own. Uh, taught us a lot about family values and about you know was our voice since we were little, and even you know at, at the age you know that she she grew up in and she had you know to live with worst stereotypes that we do right and in different uh, sort of status as a woman. I think that she's she has remained so strong to us, and I think that that's my local leader. That's my inspiration to me, to my daughter, my grandbabies. I have two granddaughters, and uh-huh. I think that I would like to see. That's what I want to run too. I want to, I when I was growing up, I didn't see someone like, someone like me in this, in this position. position. And I think and I that think I want to be able to be that model, that sort of pe- person that people can relate, other women can relate. And at a sort of national level, I want to say, of course, our vice, you know, vice president, because she is the highest person in command. Yes. She is a whole package to me. She's knowledgeable, she's bright, she's smart, she's relatable, she's funny. She's inspirational. And most importantly, she's compassionate. And I think that I I, I can't relate to her. So definitely.
0: <laughs> it feels like like around the world, we're finally seeing more women leaders where those skills come out so that you, it is the whole package. It's yeah, all the smart, all the strategic thinking, handling big budgets, solving big problems, but also, you know, caring about people. It's, it's nice to be cared about. Yes. <laughs> right. But, but we, through um, interviewing
1: other females who are either in office or running for office, we have found out how much harder it is to campaign as a female. Um, m- maybe you can tell us about your challenges there a little
2: bit. I think you, first of all, you have to acknowledge right off the bat that there's a double standard, right? For, for female candidates across the nation. doesn't matter where you are running for office or any, actually any, any sector, any space where you're competing for a position, this is what you're going through. So uh, I think that we, as women, are held at a higher standard. Uh, Criticized sometimes for being too emotional, sometimes too tough, or, or not too tough or too tough. Um, there's no <laughs> right. happy for us. Uh, sometimes viewed as less competent uh, because of those same characteristics. But I think that for me, it's been it's actually a a. A positive thing. It's an asset uh, in this race. And and that's because I have been living, working, raising my family very actively, you know, volunteering and doing a lot of work and work with the most vulnerable people in my community for close to 30 years. So people know my trajectory and Lawrence is less than seven mile radius. So everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that I'm excited. This is an exciting time for, for our city. I am honored to continue to serve, you know, my journey in public service in this, you know, in this new uh, position. And um, I think that that's been, what's been positive for me. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't challenges. I think that people sometimes uh, feel like, for instance, it's fundraising in the midst of COVID has been absolutely a challenge um, for us and for many candidates, but, um, and, and what makes it more difficult is that I can't make any direct ask, right? Because I am a, a city employee. So, but I am very excited because what has been helpful is the fact that, you know, having the endorsement of the former mayor, Dan Rivera, having the endorsement of, you know, state rep, Tammy Govea, state rep, Christina Minicucci, the support of Senator Feingold, Gloucester uh, mayor, Safafia, Thick think uh, uh, having the support of local leaders, our first, female, Latina, city council, like those things to me have made it a little easier for me to be in this space. Um, and it has really um, got the attention of folks uh, both in, internally here in Lawrence and outside. So that has been the, the biggest thing, but I think for me, uh, understanding how COVID has hit families uh, and, and, and knowing the financial instability that our communities live in right now makes it very difficult for me to do the ass too. So I think it's both things, but I I believe that actually for me I am very excited about this opportunity and I'm I'm ready to to get going.
0: <laughs> just while we have Ryan, I'm just wondering. Um, I saw a, a a report that your fundraising was was going very strongly despite, like you said, the COVID and the pandemic because people clearly they are gravitating towards you. So I wondered, Ryan, do you have any other campaign events coming up or how could people find out more if they want to follow Vilma's campaign, even if they're not from Lawrence?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, she has an excellent website, um, VilmaForMayor.com. So you can check her out there and just read more about her and her story. We're also on social media. So you can follow her on Twitter at VilmaForMayor. And she also has a Facebook page that's VoteForVilma. In terms of events, we have an event coming up on the 19th, which is next Wednesday, and it's hosted by state representative, Tammy Govea. So that's a virtual fundraiser where, you know, you can go learn more about Vilma if you ha- haven't heard of her before and, and aren't familiar with the race, but also um, to support a woman of color who's running at the grassroots level. Um, so always important. Um, yeah, so <laughs> join us then. It's great. Well- <laughs> And I'm thinking also
0: because you said you've been involved for so long, you've had a lot of experience with exactly what a mayor needs to do in terms of coalition building.
2: I I believe so. I believe that out of all the candidates that are running, I'm the one with the most well-rounded sort of set of experiences. So I started out working, you know, locally. I was an advocate and an activist working, you know, with survivors of domestic and sexual violence. I worked with um, men and women without health insurance, you know, new immigrants come into the, the, the country. I've worked, you know, uh, and that that kind of work and programming gave me some sort of understanding, better understanding, because I, I feel as an immigrant, I have lived immigrant experience. I was born in this country, but never raised here. I came back when I was 17. So I had all the same experiences, even though I do, I am a citizen. But um, I think that that has been one of the things, but I noticed, you know, that's great. You can do a lot of programming and you're touching people one at a time. Yes, you can do it in partnership, but still, you know, get into the root causes of things. Move forward, you know, fast forward to 2002 and and we, I co-founded with other community leaders, uh, Milagro Grullon, who used to work at Earl Family Health Center, and in Martha Veles, who's actually our Health and Human Services Director currently, uh, the Mayor's Health Task Force, which is a very well recognized, nationally recognized um, uh, coalition that lives within the Office of Planning and Development within city government. So it's very unique. We have about 80 member organizations that expand nationally. It is a hub for for policy and systems change. Uh, we understand that unless you create policies that equalize sort of uh, opportunities for people, you really can't move forward. If you don't make it a default choice, the healthy, the just choice, the, the default choice that you're not doing what we need to do. And then, um, and that has been one of the most actually fruitful work that I've done and the most creative work that I've done. Um, And it really, uh, fast forward, uh, you know, a few years forward, and in the last almost close to four years, I've been working fully within city government as a community development director. And so within that, you have to really manage millions of dollars from the federal government, heavily regulated, but really destined to help the low and moderate income families in our community. We are the second poorest community in the Commonwealth (laughs) and uh, we understand that. So every penny that we receive has to be well managed. It has to be well informed by the people. It has to make sure that it it serves the common good. So anything from, you know, housing, you know, preservation, creation of preservation to public infrastructural you know, improvements to uh, working with nonprofits to make sure that the people, most vulnerable people do receive the services that they need to creating brand new you know first time home buyers which we know that wealth building is so important um, to doing so much work you know working with economic development and small businesses we have we help new businesses start or expand in exchange of really employing a person from Morris who's low income so if you can see i have had the opportunity to work i have worked with four different administrations initially as a consultant and then most recently uh, as As a community development director, so I think that I have the mix of experiences, uh, sort of the pause of the community and also the understanding of the you know, workings of government. Of course, you, you know nobody trains you to be a mayor, and there 's a lot more that I will need to learn, but I have the best foundation to be able to do that It seems like you have you have such a wealth of experience
1: in just partnering with so many different organizations in the city and and um farther and, and and that to me is is so important for this job um can you tell us a little bit more about those and maybe some of the challenges that you have met and dealt with I don't think that you can
2: do any or address any issue with our partnerships nobody works in silos and when someone shows up to your door it's not a single issue that they're showing up with right it's a it's a it's it's a set of different things and so if you don't have close connections and partnerships, be it with nonprofits, be it with neighborhood association, be it with just local leaders, be it with business community, uh, city council, state delegation, federal delegation, you really can address a lot of the issues that you know that we we're faced with. So Lawrence has a lot of challenges, as great as a lot of as as well as a lot of opportunities, and so I think that COVID has been uh, sort of that has added that lens that that sort of made those issues that we knew existed sort of bubble up a little higher. And I think that that's, that's, you know, you cannot address the housing crisis without partnerships. You cannot address the issue that our small businesses are suffering right now in a business sector without partnerships. You cannot work, you know, uh, improve public safety or public health, which now has become now, and it's funny because I'm a proponent of public health for, forever. And it seems like in government, sort of public health is this sort of separate um, department and COVID has sort of made it, you know, sort of so prevalent, you know, now we have to work with the Board of Health, we have to work with the hospitals, we have to work with the clinic, we have to work with our city councilors, our state delegation. So I think that that has been one of the things that, um, that has made it successful for me. The task force has been successful because of those partnerships that we have been able to to, um, establish. You cannot address health equity without partnerships. And I can tell you a couple of examples of what I've done uh, through partnerships. The coalition was suffering for a long time. We were just, just trying to secure funding left and right and the, the timing was perfect when Lawrence General Hospital was in the process of doing some capital improvements and 5% of whatever the race goes to community health initiatives. We were so well-placed and they were at the table that $2.5 million we're able to negotiate to address issues around adolescent health and youth leadership, to address issues around food insecurity, to address issues around homelessness. We're able to actually hire a person that can actually serve as a liaison and and help address and coordinate all those services for the homeless. So I think that these are some examples. So we, we work, this is a perfect example. We have a lot of funding to uh, create housing and this investor uh, came in, you know, to build 102 units. And I really became befriended this investor. And we had this uh, event in uh, November of 2019, I believe 2018 actually, um, where we were looking at their issue of rent, the rent, the high cost of rents and the issue of housing in the city. So I invited him to be part of those conversations and actually experienced it. And he led a group. And it wasn't after that, that he came back. He was already thinking about, you know, rehabbing. That was that was one of the expectations of the former mayor, rehabbing a couple of multifamilies and then selling them to, you know, to people. I convinced him to keep the costs low, even though there were lost money in that process. And also to do a, a raffle and a lottery. I mean, for, so that two, low-income first-time home buyers who we assisted with our program got into those houses. So that's just wow. an example of some of that creative stuff that we've done through partnership. Well, to me, it also
1: says, it, it says so much about how much you care about the community, you know, that it's not just about getting the money spent properly and, um, you know, doing your job. It's about really helping your community. So thank you.
0: Well, in um, that relationship building, I'm wondering in that, And that line, there's so much disparity across the Commonwealth and Lawrence has been so hard hit. And for such a long time that it's hard to break the cycle because you're right, housing, food insecurity, right off the bat, hold you back. I'm wondering about your take on COVID because all the maps have been making it incredibly clear. Race and wealth are showing really different impacts. It really has.
2: And I think that Lawrence already had challenges. So you, you can't you can forget that Lawrence you know, experiences horrible gas explosions in 2018. We're still recuperating from that. There's more businesses that never reopen. Um, people were displaced. And we have an issue here with how, when, where we have, we're very densely populated. So it says that the census says 80,000 people. I will tell you it's at least 100,000. And so imagine that how many people live per square mile here. Uh, and so you have that issue and you have the issue of poverty. So you have housing and financial instability and poverty. That's it, that, that just, just creates an, an imbalance in your life and, and an inability for you to thrive. Um, you think about education. You know, our school has been in receivership for a long time uh, because we we're underperforming. But it's not that so much teachers were bad. It's that you're living in a house. You're, you know, you, you are being evicted. Uh, you don't have enough to eat or you don't have the proper food to eat. You don't have transportation. Uh, you have, you, you know, you lack medical care. Your parents are working two jobs. The unemployment rate right now is 14.5 percent compared to the state that's 6.6. 6. And we're not even addressing underemployment because our median household income, it's, it's less than $45,000. And if you look at per capita, it's about 20,858. So, and this is just general. If you look at, probably break it down by women who are the primary head of households who were harder hit in COVID because they're the ones typically because they're the lower earners, they're the ones staying at home. Uh, they don't have childcare, proper childcare. I wouldn't wanna send my child in COVID times to a childcare when we saw, you know, there were there were clusters of of uh, of children and teachers coming out with COVID, uh, and then you look at test sites, right? So forever, Lawrence, you know, had didn't have enough testing sites, and now the vaccination sites, when it was established, the regional one, it was primarily serving nearby communities. So, but Lawrence is also very resilient, very creative. We don't wait until people, you know, figure things out for us. The first shelter that opened in this, in the whole state for quarantine. Was, in, was Lawrence who put it together because we understood our communities very densely populated. We needed to depopulate. Uh, we didn't have enough testing site. The former mayor purchased a van, a mobile health unit that went to different places, meeting people where they're at so they can get vac- um, tested. Now vaccination, we have, a, we have three sites in Lawrence. One of them was created just for Lawrence residents mm-hmm. to make sure that we get people vaccinated. And now you know what they're doing? Uh, pop-up vaccination sites at churches, at small businesses, downtown, so that we demystify some of that vaccination. So these are just some examples. I think that, yes, we are having a lot of struggles. We still are. Um, Educational and the digital divide is a real thing for us as well. But as we, I think that you need, this is why you need someone like me there that understands the root causes, socioeconomic factors that impact people's lives, understand how, what are some of the policies and systems changes that we can implement to change the status quo and then to move the city forward so
1: wow thank you so much for all that um so is there is there anything that you think
2: that the the that, uh, that we can do for you <laughs> <laughs> There's things that you can do for me and on your list yeah my vote
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
2: one of the things that you can do is really encourage people to support women like me the more women Absolutely. like me that you have in public office, the more diversity we add to the table and the conversations, the better it will be for everybody. Yeah, I've always believed that if you help the most vulnerable person and you provide the resources for that person, you are helping an entire community. So I think that that will be number one. And number two, for a second, check out my website, vilmaformayor.com. Uh, become involved, be a volunteer. We're gonna need help just knocking on doors. It doesn't matter. You know if you're not from lawrence we need someone here to make sure that we we get the help that we need it just grassroots just support grassroots candidates like me
0: yeah ryan <laughs> Tell us more because more people are getting to know each other across the Commonwealth and becoming interested. Like, I better pay attention to local races because people who run for mayor or city councilor someday might run for state government and then influence the state house, making it a more representative body. So, yeah, Ryan,
3: tell us again, remind us about the events that are coming up. Yeah, I mean, exactly to your point. Um, it starts at the local level and it's really important to get involved at the grassroots level and to know what's happening in your community. You know, in ways you can support Vilma secureactblue.com slash donate slash Vilma. I would say financially that will help us reach the most voters you can. In addition, volunteering, I think that if anything, the pandemic has expanded opportunities to get involved in campaigns both virtually and also I think that with this past year, we know that it's just so important to be involved and to volunteer for candidates that you care about. So definitely there will be opportunities to volunteer either with virtual phone banks that we'll be having in the future or with door knocking. And if you're not from Lawrence, you know, and you care about Vilma and you're excited about her, that's the best way that you can help her other than donating. And then to repeat, uh, we have an event coming up on the 19th next Wednesday with uh, State Representative Tammy Gouveia. Um, It will go from six to seven. And uh, there's a registration um, form that, I can share or, or you can share.
0: So anyone who's listening can just find it and, and they can also visit the website, which is great. Um, It's so nice spending time with you. Uh, We've done this before where we meet a candidate earlier on, and we would love to invite you back because it's nice for people to get to follow. What is a race like? You're bringing so much to the table right now. It's, it's really inspiring. Speaking about where we started on leadership that's what leadership is it's getting people to feel like there's some hope and there's some potential and that things can change
2: i love my city and i'm running because first of all my love and in my my sense of responsibility for it i've been here 30 years this is where my family have been you know raised my kids i have three adult kids they all live here uh, this is where i've i've really advocated for people and and this is where i've served so i think that this is the perfect time and right time where i chose is my slogan right time because I'm done raising children. My, my youngest just graduated college last week. So I'm really pretty much done with that. I'm just taking care of my grandbabies, which is two, almost three, three girls, all three girls. Um, and I think that I wanna create opportunities and a future for them, you know, for the next generation so that they can be inspired to serve, number one, and number two, inspire to care for their city. I think that if we don't care, you're not committed, you're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything with the city. You can sit and complain or you can actually act. And so that chosen to act. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vilma. Thank you. It
1: was great to meet you both. Likewise.
0: You've been listening to Red Cloaks Radio, a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Find us at bostonredcloaks.com and have a great day.